1: This episode is
2: brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas, or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph, or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T R O K A D E R O G U E L P H.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Creative Control with Vish On this episode, Matt King and Moshe Rosenberg of the Toronto band Absolutely Free join me for a chat about their new self-titled album, and their history I am familiar with these people because they used to play In a fantastic band called Day Month Year And they broke up And then Absolutely Free was going full steam So I wanted to learn more about them I've seen them a couple times, they're great Absolutely Free I mean And, uh, and yeah, lots of exciting stuff Happening for them right now So you're going to hear a new song from their new album Which is out October 14th On this episode and some other stuff too I don't know what else you'll learn We'll find out We'll find out together. So here it is, myself and Matt and Moshe of Absolutely Free. CFRU 93.3 FM is pleased to work with the Central Student Association to broadcast live noon-hour concerts throughout October. Participating performers include the Wilderness of Manitoba, Jennifer Castle, Royal Canoe, Doug Paisley, and more. All shows take place at the University Center Courtyard, an accessible space at the University of Guelph, between noon and 1 p.m., and all are welcome to attend. For complete schedule details and performer bios, visit sundaycinema.ca and tune in live at 93.3 FM or cfru.ca. CFRU, tuning in the neighborhood.
0: I've been working for the man
2: Absolutely Free is a powerful and ambitious three-piece band from Toronto, Ontario. For years, Matt King, Moshe Rosenberg, and Mike Claxton used to play together in a fantastic post-punk outfit called Day, Month, Year that put on one of the best live shows in the world. After they broke up, King, Rosenberg, and Claxton eventually reconvened to create music that was a little less frenetic and possibly even more dynamic. They seemed keen to explore psychedelic textured pop and and Krautrock as touchstones for something unprecedented. The latest manifestation of their work is their first full-length self-titled album, which is out October 14th by Arts and Crafts. And on Saturday, October 11th, they'll perform the record with a special holographic light show at the Long Winter Bloor Hot Docs Theatre Takeover event in Toronto. Here now to discuss some of these things are Matt King and Moshe Rosenberg of Absolutely Free. Hi, guys. How are you?
1: Good. Fantastic. Yeah. Good. Vish, how are you
2: doing? I'm well. I'm well. How's your meal? You're starting to eat a meal?
1: Yeah, yeah. I just uh, threw a couple of vegetables into the fire and uh, now I'm just kind of biting at it.
2: Threw vegetables into a fire? That sounds delicious.
1: Yeah, it's uh, barbaric. <laughs> it's old school.
2: And are you in? You're in Toronto as, as we speak, right?
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Okay, that's good. Now, there will be people hearing this for the first time. And, uh, well, of course everyone who's hearing this right now is hearing it for the first time. That didn't make any sense. They'll be hearing about the band maybe for the first time. So very simply, can you tell us more about absolutely free? Where did this band come from?
1: Beesh, man, you're putting us on the spot. now. I'm just joking. No, you, you pretty much covered it. I mean, as far as where we've come from playing in, you know, bands together for years, uh, most uh notably day month year and maybe this this band started 2011 yeah was it Remembrance Day? uh yeah yeah no day month year played uh
3: we we had played our last show on my birthday uh which was november 11th 2011 11 11
2: 11 wow yeah. wow that's right
3: when we uh combusted and then absolutely free we played our first show on november 17th 6 days later Um, so I don't know, basically, absolutely free. Um, if you don't know too much about our history, like we seemingly came out of nowhere, but we had already grown so much, you know, day one, there was already this like, this like history and, uh, kind of like,
1: yeah, we're, and we're, we're starting to hear a lot of people, like people that didn't even hear our older bands. Uh, kind of noting that, I think, in the music, maybe that's something that we strive towards, uh, you know, like uh, referring to to music from the past and uh, mm-hmm. like all different types of music that we've listened to, not just one one concise style, which has never been our style.
2: No, no. And, I, and so if am I correct? That, or I'm, I'm, maybe I'm learning this for the first time, actually. Did Absolutely Free exist sort of concurrently with day, month, year?
3: Uh there was a little bit of a crossover, yeah, for sure.
2: Okay. I didn't realize that the, I I didn't realize it was so soon after day month year as you say combusted.
1: Yeah, it's self like, self-destructed.
2: Self-destructed and you play the show 6 days later, but it wasn't like this had been something that you you'd been brewing for a while.
1: Yeah, it was time. Okay.
2: So when you got together in absolutely free did you articulate your particular purpose together as a band in relation to day, month, year?
1: Yeah, it really kind of started to lay itself out kind of just as we started. I mean, obviously, there's some crossover, and, and the way we work together, it's, it's very, um, you know, it's an extension of that. But kind of, a, there's a lot of things we decided to do, kind of maybe counterintuitive to the way we had been doing things for eight years prior to that. Um, so it's a lot of that, like what would we, what would we not do? Let's try that. Yeah, there was also a lot of like, what,
3: what kind of music would we make if we were free to make any kind of music, and not like burdened by I don't know, a, sort of the 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 groove or the dynamic that you fall into being in a band for ten years, um, as was the case for Day Month here. Um So yeah, we didn't really like. Talk to each other per se about, like, we want to start a project, man. That sounds like this meets this. It was, uh, we kind of something we all felt bubbling up.
2: You used the word free there. So, is there, did you feel kind of enclosed by day month year at any
1: point? Yeah, there was, there was a bit of, uh, yeah, liberation. Basically, basically day month year, the whole concept of the band is, you know, the, each day, each day, our name changes, and uh, and and that was kind of a way to not be uh, stuck down in a particular um, particular modes or tropes, and that you you know that often bands do get stuck in, and uh, we ended up getting stuck in in them. Just, so it's kind of like an experiment, and kind of came to the end of that experiment. We're like, okay, time for a new experiment,
2: right? And so. I noticed that part of the experiment was sort of seemingly jettisoning guitars in favor of synthesizers.
1: Yeah, I guess I mean the the th- the three of us never re- we didn't I mean, I mean in day month here I started out on the drums and and then when Moshe joined on the drums I kind of went from the drums to the synthesizer and uh and Mike Claxton has been going from he's kind of on his way to the to the keyboard, too, as well, from from the bass. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's just something like a new... Uh, You're yeah, right. It was kind of a new avenue that we explored a little bit in the past, but really um, starting to learn a lot of new things about utilizing that instrument.
2: But do you hate guitars? Do you hate guitars, gentlemen? No, no. no. <laughs> uh,
3: actually, you know what? I do hate guitars. No, I don't hate guitars, but... I remember having like this vivid thought when we formed the band, which was like, I just did, I, I wanted to make music. Like, I don't even think I told these guys, but in my head, I wanted to make music that was like, didn't have the word rock in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember you, you'd you mentioned something. Yeah, I was like, like I just didn't want to do anything that was like rockin'.
0: <laughs>
2: really? But we, huh. but
3: we totally,
1: we totally do rock, beesh.
2: Well, a lot of people are saying you krautrock. rock.
1: I know, they do say that, right? Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice thing for people to say.
2: <laughs> I have been, I've been reading the critical reception of the band as the new album has started circulating. It's streaming all over the place as we're speaking right now uh, ahead of the record release. And, and I have read refer- references to Caribou and Kraftwerk. And as I say, krautrock. rock, how are these things sitting with you as people begin, you know, a wider audience is beginning to embrace the band
1: well hopefully people people other people get those touchstones i mean, from our perspective, those are really big uh important bands in the in the canon of the type of music that we're making um so to be be refer- to be for people to pick up references like that um is uh, is such an honor and you know humbling to be to be amongst those uh those people i don't know
2: okay
0: you not-
3: yeah it, it, it it's nice, um, yeah. Basically, because sometimes uh, not every band plays music um, that's like de- that. Then gets described in a way that they can kind of <laughs> identify as. You know what I mean? Like uh, once, uh, not to dwell on Daymond Year, but I remember once somebody reviewed our live show and and had said that it sounded like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers with an emo twist. <laughs> And like, that was a problem for us reading it because it was like,
1: that's not what we want to sound like. <laughs> yeah. It, it was kind of, and, and also in retrospect, listening to that music, it was like, okay, maybe some of the things that we thought we were communicating weren't necessarily being picked up as much as we thought they were mm-hmm. as, as the performance of the music. And that was a big uh, conscious thing that we, we did start doing as a band. Um, and we've, we've kind of been speaking about it a lot, just about, how we've been writing music as listeners. So, like, being compared to somebody like Kraftwerk or, um, was it, Deer Hunter or Broadcast, like, these are the kind of, this is the kind of music that we like. This is the kind of music that we listen to. And to be compared to those people, it's like, okay, people kind of get it a little bit more or something. And that's, you know, one of the main reasons why people, or at least why we make music is to to sh- you know share our influences with people who get those kind of you know uh pokes and nudges and stuff while creating something new well there's
2: there's a fine line i think between uh someone who's in- receiving your work and potentially interpreting or misinterpreting it i think there's a fine line between them being completely wrong and you as the artist wishing they were wrong there might actually be some semblance of truth in what they're saying, and it can be like a heartbreaker when you discover like, actually, wait a minute. That whole song, that whole Day, Month, Year song sounds exactly like Give It Away, and now...
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, I had blood sugar sex magic. I'm not going to lie.
2: I had it as a kid. I don't know how I ended up with it, but I had it too. I
1: yeah. had the t-shirt, actually. I got it from
3: Value Village, and now my mom wears it uh, like to bed.
2: <laughs> Did your mom write that review?
3: Um, no. my mom is not like a a hipster from from brooklyn i think that's who wrote it
2: okay so now wait wait, that this actually that's interesting so you're not you were insulted but as a kid at a formative time you were rocking the rhcp there
1: totally and we totally like (laughs) me, me and moshe used to be in like a whatever do you want a a a post emo band a a pre mainstreamo band I don't know like we had the, they they were picking up obviously on something and they were using what <laughs> what they had to uh, it was a little uh, disparate references but they were I list, guess they were yeah, you're to, right there's, there's there's a hint of hint of truth to it and the the truth hurts <laughs> but uh, thankfully
3: um, yeah we haven't had that that kind of. That caliber of heartbreak was uh, absolutely free. Yeah, it's uh, it's been
2: nice. Yeah, and you're just getting out of the gate in a sense with it. You've been doing this for quite a while. I saw. I don't remember. I saw you guys playing Guelph. What two, three I'm, years ago now?
1: It would have been last year, year and a half ago. Oh, like was it. it only
2: then? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: For it wasn't Kazoo? It was, it was
2: Kazoo, one. wasn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it was Kazoo. Because I read your review, Beach. Oh yeah, and it, it was... was. Yeah, I remember you were you were standing on the uh, on the at the DJ booth. That's right. Yeah, I remember
3: you. Uh, you sent me an email uh, from the, the side stage, but I didn't get it till the next day. And and then I, I said, "How'd you do that?" Because I'm like a, I'm like behind.
2: I sent you an email from during the show.
3: Yeah, you said. So I don't know what you said. Was I it, could look it up. Was it because did,
2: did you ask me to email you, or did I just randomly it was like? No, it's was,
3: it was your initiative.
2: Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I could look it up right now and figure that out, but that's fine. I, I didn't mean to. I was probably just distracted. What? I don't know what's just happened. I, I feel bad that I was emailing you while you were playing. I, I should have been no, concentrating I think on the it was
1: show. Like, uh, <laughs> beach,
3: beach. I think we were preparing for this. I, I don't think we hit the stage yet. I think you said, like, uh, go get him, Tiger, or something.
2: Oh, <laughs> and I sent you that over email. That seems so archaic. You'd think I would have texted you. <laughs> You know how it is. I'm such an old man. <laughs> I I know you said you didn't want to dwell on day, month, year, but uh, since you you brought it up, you brought up the kind of implosion, I suppose. Can you maybe talk about why that band ended when it did?
1: I don't know. We were. I I don't know. I just like the the fact that we're like starting to get in a rut as far as like. You know, we actually we had a lot of things kind of blooming and about like a lot of stuff set up, a real infrastructure set up for our next record and something stuff like that. Like things were kind of still moving forwards, but at the same time, there was just like this feeling of stagnation, as, uh, maybe kind of creatively. And then we thought about like the the idea of ending the band on like D D M M Y Y Y Y on eleven eleven eleven. And it was like, okay, this is the right time. You know, we have to do it. It's like so, so conceptually sound.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: <laughs> and like, and it was, you know, we felt it. It was already, it was in the air
3: already. Yeah, like Matt said, I mean, like we were writing toward, I guess, our, our next, what would that have been? Like our fourth record fourth or something? full length, yeah. Yeah, we were writing toward it, and like Jeff Barrow was going to produce it, which would have been. Like a total dream come true. Super neato. He's amazing and a huge influence. Uh, But then we were like, why would we do that? We're just going to break up and then everybody will be angry at us because like they put all this work into a new record. So we kind of like decided to, I don't know, forego all of that. Uh, We could have kept it rolling for a little bit longer. You know what I mean? It's like a dead tooth that you could keep. You could still chomp away uh and like it hasn't fallen out yet but you just yeah. totally know it's going to and it's starting to like change colors and, and whatnot
1: and there's some things you can't eat anymore because you know yeah
2: i think i know where you're going with this guys it's, it's getting kind of right? it's getting a bit gross but yeah i i yeah. think i i think i know what you're saying the band was a a malignant growth in your life and in, in your lives and you
1: that's it. a real sentimental way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> so, we actually weren't, we
3: weren't really even getting along that well. It's not like we're, I mean, we're not like aggressive or or whatever. We're just like, we're all very nice boys. But, uh, you know, like rehearsing and stuff, it just wasn't, it just didn't feel right,
2: you know? How many people were in the band again? Five. But three of you got along well enough to keep going.
3: Actually, <laughs> Yeah. Sure, we yeah. can skip. We can skip that. We were a four piece, but we'll skip that chapter, Vish.
2: You were a four piece. I can't remember.
3: Yeah, yeah, we were for a minute.
2: Oh, like towards the end.
3: Oh, sorry. I mean, I mean, absolutely free. Words. Oh, absolutely free was the
2: four piece. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, sorry. That's what I meant.
2: And was who was the other member? Jordan. Jordan, and was he also in day, month, year? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the okay, so <laughs> so essentially. Four of you weren't really getting along with one other person, started a new band, and now you're a three-piece.
0: We
1: got a mathematician.
0: Well, in the house. basically,
3: what it boils down to <laughs> is that we're impossible, Vish.
1: <laughs> the three of us are impossible.
2: No, well, come on, you're not impossible. You three seem we to.
1: You, you seem to be getting our, along. We wouldn't wish ourselves upon anyone else. Ourselves. So listen, know. Vish, we're a little crazy, okay?
2: Yeah, no, I know. I, I remember. I know. I've seen the band. I, I've hung out with you guys a little bit. You seem a little nuts. <laughs> hey man, it, it five
1: four three. It's, eventually it's going to be zero. Yeah, it's, that's it, true. It's, that's it's just going to be. You know what? It's just going to be holograms of us. In, <laughs> starting of, this Saturday, folks. End of interview. <laughs> right.
2: Now wait a second. Where Sorry. did so? Where did you guys
1: cut to advertisement?
2: Cut to the advert. We're going to get to the advertising the show. Don't worry. I, I have a whole plan. Excellent. Uh, towards <laughs> the end. But where did you guys? You know where, where, where did you guys
1: actually meet? uh i used to go out with moshe's sister
3: yeah he dated my sister for like five years oh, yeah five years wow so is that four
1: three it's a little bit of an on and off yeah it's a little rocky oh, well know. our uh, by the time we were breaking up moshe and i were in a band together so <laughs> our kind of lives were fairly ingrained going over to practice and that was kind of a tricky, uh, social situation to mitigate, oh, yeah, which true. I didn't necessarily always handle admirably, but, uh, that's where, <laughs> that's where Moshe and I met. I think the first time I saw him was on the bus in Richmond Hill. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice.
2: I didn't know that. So you guys, yeah. where, where are you guys from? Richmond Hill. Richmond Hill. Okay. Which is like, for people who don't know, this is like a, kind it's of middle upper just, upper middle class kind of part of toronto like outside of toronto suburb
0: yeah just a middle class i
1: mean there's there's uh there's a you know there's a, a pretty wide uh economic spectrum even though it does say rich i mean there's a <laughs> there's an other side of the tracks to yeah the there's middle. there's a there's a couple sides of the tracks and moshe and i are kind of from uh yeah from like pretty pretty nice houses my you know we we do. It. Our parents did okay. Sure,
2: sure. And so you you grew up together essentially. Like when did you first? When you say you were dating his girlfriend, was this in grade or his sister? <laughs> you were dating his sister. Was this in like grade one?
1: No, no. This is like um. This would have been like 1999. No, you know what? 2001. So it would have been like 19. I was 16. Moshe was 16. Yeah and he was in halo express and i was in newfound interest in connecticut
2: newfound interest in connecticut i think i've heard of that thing
1: oh really i feel well, like Moche, I actually, I actually, Moche eventually joined that band and that's that was the first band we had together i
3: actually had a pretty serious history of just joining matt's bands and i think that absolutely free might be the first band that we started together at the same
1: time <laughs> right <laughs> he like which, Which is nice, that's true, right? right? That is true. <laughs>
2: were you guys, were they, uh, was it a hardcore band, Newfound Interest in Connecticut?
1: No, it was like, uh, we used to call ourselves Post Post Emo. Sure. I mean, it's basically
3: like young kids, uh, obviously, um, who like
1: American football, Apple Rock, Seed Cats, Rockets Red Glare, Gog, yeah. Mogwai, that kind of like Kepler stuff.
2: Yeah, I feel like I probably saw you guys. Like would you play like at the Lodge in Mississauga and
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we were we were kind of got into that scene after we saw like Monine play, we kind of got into that whole area of like West Toronto suburb shows.
2: Oakville, Mississauga,
1: Burlington, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We've... Yeah, we actually uh
3: this was uh I'm just going to Go back in time and pretend I'm 17 again. Man, we actually played with Death from Above and Arcade Fire back then. Oh, yeah, okay. Like in the thanks early 2000s. Thanks to Ryan Mills. Yeah, for that Arcade Mills.
1: Fire show. You know Ryan Mills?
2: Yeah, I know Ryan. Yeah, studio Great. guy. Kind of a. Yeah, we
1: saw him at the Arcade Fire concert that we saw you at a couple of weeks. Or yeah, couple... we were.
2: I was going to say at some point that we were all just in Toronto at the same time in the same place to watch uh, Constantines and Arcade Fire and Dan Deacon.
1: And Dan Deacon, yes. We actually missed Dan. He uh, nicely put us on the guest list, but we had band practice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is nerdy.
1: <laughs> Our band practice is nerdy.
2: Yeah. Okay, so you so you did come out of a kind of a punk network, whether you call it emo or whatever you call it.
1: Yeah, totally. It's from a DIY standpoint for sure.
2: Okay. And it's
1: yeah, just- indie rock, yeah indie punk. Um, Mike, the, the, third, the third piece of this band, um, I met him. He was playing in a band, speaking of punk, he was in a band called Plant the Bomb. Okay. Who were like um, kind of a, a bunch of misfit teenagers from Brampton uh, and a real bad influence. And Moshe and my band put out a split seven inch with Plant the Bomb and uh, and that's kind of and Mike recorded it for us, and that was kind of the first time we really started to hang out with him and Thomas, who eventually was in Day Month Year with us. Uh,
2: okay, all right. So there's that. Uh, that makes that that kind of makes sense in terms of where you went and where you are. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of what kinds of things actually got you guys into music?
1: Um, funny you should ask. I was I don't know if you've seen, been seeing these uh, twenty albums. Uh, floating around on Facebook or whatever, just, like, 20 albums that changed you or, like, influenced you. Um, Yeah, I've seen,
2: like, basically everyone just is posting those things. Yeah, yeah, I've seen seen that.
1: And, uh, yeah, a lot of people are putting things like, you know, uh, Teenage Jesus and the Jerks and Bush Tetras and Laurie Anderson. It's like, come on, you know, sure. I mean, that's, like, those are, like, all great bands, but did they really kind of help sculpt your... uh, (laughs) you know like my, my i started writing my thing like my first tape was bc boys license to ill and then like milli vanilli <laughs> and, you know like those are the first couple things silver chair and then you know eventually once i got to grade 7 or something i found out about the super friends and kind of shit went downhill from there
2: no that's wow. good that's a good thing to discover that's one but of but my- that's that's where
1: i came from kind of
2: okay and was there a particular influence in your life at the time that was bringing you this music or bringing it oh yeah it? much east oh okay tv
1: yeah much east and sometimes like the wedge if i could catch it I, like I, I i used i have i still have videotapes of much east footage of you know the inbreds Me and,
2: too. i got the same thing we could probably have the exact you, same vhs those I, I, like, I, yeah, I recorded those right off the tv yeah yeah yeah, totally
1: they like eric's trip and plum tree and all that shit i was huge into that and that was the first band that I found out about was uh, Superfriends, And I saw the Karate Man music video. And then a couple years later, I finally, my parents got me the CD for Christmas. They went downtown to find it at Sam's or something.
2: Wow. That, so. was, that was grade
1: eight in 1994, 95, something like that.
2: Yeah, I would have been in, uh, older than that. I don't know, grade 11 <laughs> or something. But I was going to see the Super Friends every chance I got.
1: Oh, cool! You
2: know, yeah, one of my favorite bands too. So that's interesting. Okay, so you just it was just from what listening to? Oh, it was watching TV. You said Much East and Much, yeah, Much totally. Music. Remember when Much yeah. Much Music used to be good?
1: Yeah, of course there was. Oh, I mean, there was a lot of really good stuff. A lot of weird Canadian stuff that, in retrospect, like if like Zucker Baby was a band right now, I would not be a fan of them. But I watched their music videos. <laughs> you know, you remember Zucker Baby or uh, yeah. Stark? The you know the Killjoys, uh, Doughboys, all these all these bands that you know when I was in grade six and grade seven they were like whoa totally indie but they're actually all on major labels right
2: <laughs> totally all right and, and so and,
1: I don't know it's a perspective thing for me as a, as a little kid seeing that stuff it was uh, it was huge influence <coughs> and it's like well these people are from Canada you know
2: cool and and Moshi what about you
3: well man if we're reaching like pretty Pretty far back, I remember this, like, children's entertainer, Jack Grunsky, came to my school um, when I was, like, in grade one or two, and I uh, got him to sign my basketball.
0: <laughs> wow. So
3: that, that was something, and that, I don't know that, I don't, I don't, uh, I can't remember time in terms of years, only in terms of grades, uh, which is really weird. But anyways, when I was in grade four, like, my family went to the mall, and uh, Promenade Mall, And there was a place called Adventure Electronics and my dad splurged on like a CD player and we were all so happy and so exciting. It was like a new chapter in our lives. And we got um, Boys to Men, Best Of, uh, Celine Dion, uh, The Color of Love. I don't even know if that's an album or if it's also a Best Of. Um, And then the kids got to choose some CDs. So I chose Offspring Smash and my sister chose Green Day Dookie. Um, and that's basically what I listened to for the next two years. And then I got all the Nirvana CDs.
2: (laughs) Wow. That's cool. And that's just randomly because your father chose to get a a, a CD player. Did you know of offspring outside of that? Honestly, I think my sister chose for me, (laughs) but I loved it. It was great, but I actually liked
3: all four CDs the same. I thought they were all amazing.
2: This is your, this is your cool sister that dated Matt for a while.
3: Yeah, she is pretty cool. She's, like, two years older, so like that, that shit goes a long way.
2: Right, okay. Matt, any regrets?
1: <laughs> um, no. <laughs> All
2: right, that's that's fine. All right, well, that's interesting. So you, you were into kind of pop. Both of you were into kind of pop punk, and now, I mean, that didn't necessarily inform how Day Month Year got going, did it?
1: No, that was kind of... Uh... We we just discovered Frank Zappa at that time uh, when Damon Albier started. That was kind of the big one that changed that Zappa Beefheart Zappa and Beefheart. Yeah.
2: What was the what was it about them? The the nihilism, the kind of like anything goes. What was it? Yeah,
1: yeah. The first song I heard was uh, "What's the ugliest part of your body?" <laughs> and then when when he was like, "I think it's your mind," I was you know I, I was a little I was a little little pothead stoner kid. And uh, that blew my mind. I was like, I was like, whoa, this is so. It's kind of taking the piss. Yeah, I guess that's kind of. It's it was so aware of what it was doing, or something. It's really impressive. Really impressed.
2: And sort of deliberately
1: obnoxious. Yeah. And and, that- <laughs> and that's. And Hey, technically, maybe that's a. Uh, what month? was. To but also people. like
3: rebellious, but in not in like a punk way. Maybe yeah, not, not a, little a, more, a little more, like, conceptual rebellion than, like, impulsive, um, I don't know, like, adrenaline, aggression, uh, you know, revolting. Whatever.
1: Yeah, totally. It wasn't a fashion thing. It was, you know, he was saying that flower power sucked and people that were kind of following the the trends were, I don't know. Following the trends. Following the trends.
2: <laughs> do you, do you, have you had a moment in your adult lives... That is anything close to that moment of discovery when you remember we're talking about a period that was so important and significant to you and it influenced you in so many ways. But like, have you ever recaptured that feeling?
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50
3: Yeah, totally. I can't think every now and then it happens.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, it definitely doesn't happen as often. Um, definitely are our, our like uh, we've kind of burned through a lot of music in the to 30 odd years that we've been living. Mm-hmm. So, our, our yeah, we're kind of it takes more than, uh, you know,
3: a best of boys to men. But it, it does still happen from,
1: yeah. from, from
2: that time to <laughs> time. Totally, yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> and and are you finding that, have you achieved that sense of discovery in your own work? Like are you, I don't want to say, suggest that you're blowing yourselves away necessarily, but <laughs> on some level moving the trajectory you've been on, particularly together, it must be kind of exciting and revealing about yourselves and, you know, your interests and in things like that.
3: Man, we're, like, the three of us don't even take a moment to, like, you know, in, bask in it. You know what I mean? We're, we're just always moving forward. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that we really um, are, are happy, really content with what, with what we're doing and the music that we're making. But I'm already thinking about the next batch.
2: Hmm.
3: Not, you know what I mean? Does that make sense at all?
2: Absolutely. You guys are like a, a shark. You need to keep moving.
1: Right. <laughs> We're like a shark with wings. We're constantly consuming new things, new music, and new sounds, uh, experiences.
2: Yeah. That's, so we agree. You're a shark. The band, shark. The band is just a big shark. Okay. Now, I, I want to ask you some questions about this new record um, because I've noticed some things, and I could be wrong, uh, and I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong or... Or if I'm on the right track, but I did notice that the vocals, in particular, are mixed in such a way that they're more—they're more, they're more like instruments. They're more like textures. Uh, you know, the language or the words, in some cases, in particular, seem almost secondary. Was that intentional?
1: Um, not necessarily. Um, Take it up with Clarkson. Yeah, yeah. The Steve Clarkson, um, another Guelphite. Um, Uh, Do you know Steve? I know Steve very well. Steve uh, recorded and mixed the whole album for us. Uh, And we really, like we'd worked with him before with our older band, uh, New Found Interest, and another band, Viking Club, that Moshe and I played in. And uh, we really liked his aesthetic and kind of what he was able to do with the music that we made at the time. So when we were thinking of having somebody to do it, he was the guy that we went to immediately. Um, And yeah, that's just kind of, Part of his style. I mean, I think we've always gravitated to music that that might have might have a little bit of that. Um, vocals low in the mix, but not necessarily because there's a lot of music, like a lot of kind of weird world music that we listen to that has vocals that are extremely loud. Um, yeah, it's not really intentional, but I am pretty shy with my voice and not super confident with my with my lyrics and stuff like that. But
2: it does seem to be part of. I don't want to suggest it's part of a trend necessarily, but I have noticed that a lot of pop songs or pop punk songs are really cloudy and foggy these days. Like the articulation and definition are kind of, I don't know, they're like sacrificed uh, in some way (coughs) for something more opaque, something more uh, vague almost. Do you see yourselves contributing to that? Or, you, you're, or are you saying that you aren't really even aware that you might be contributing to, to that? To be
1: honest, I think we're, we're trying to make more of a, an effort to, to do the opposite. Uh, maybe to, to be a little bit more confident, a little clear, not hiding behind, uh, vocal, uh, vocal pedals or whatever, like effects and stuff like that. I mean, there certainly are effects on the album, um, but yeah, no, I don't think it's really. It really was mm-hmm. our intention to. I think maybe subdue that or hide it. Yeah, it
3: it feels consciously like, like it might kind of just be relative. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess by by our standards and <clears throat> maybe like given our recording history, you know, we released a couple singles before the the debut. Um, I thought that they were like a much bigger focus on on these songs and in the production um so yeah so yeah that's why i'm like sort of like oh really i didn't
1: know that when, when i listen to it that's all i can hear <laughs> my mistakes and like the and how how high it is in the mix to be honest what oh
2: you mean as a singer
1: yeah as as the person singing i can it that's uh it's kinda of really sticks out for me. Interesting. But,
2: and I'm I'm not saying this is across the board, but I have noticed it in a couple of songs and I'm, as I say, I've noticed it in a couple of records. Do you know this band Monomyth from Halifax?
1: Yeah, I saw that great video that Seth Smith made for them.
2: Yeah, they're a great band and they did a thing where I believe they made a they we were talking about the Super Friends earlier. Charles Austin of the Super Friends oh, cool. recorded their album and he gave them they did all the kind of beds and it was almost done, I think, and my understanding is he kind of gave them the record, and then they took it back, and just slopped it up. They just put as much glop and gook, like they just like made it all weird and uh, hazy. And then he heard it again. He's like, "Whoa!" Like he likes it, but he was just like, "Just funny that there was this inclination to go from clean to something a little cloudy." Hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's kind of like a trend that comes in and out. I remember when, when Day Month year started using I started using a, a delay pedal on my vocals, it seemed like every band was was doing that, uh kind of for couple years afterwards. What do you, I don't know. You're yeah. shrugging. Moshe's shrugging. Yeah,
3: but I, I just think like, I'm thinking about that one Beefheart record. It was his second album. Do you remember what it was called, Matt? It's got like the stamps on it. Unconditionally yeah. guaranteed. I think it's... un. No, that no? might be
1: the really shitty one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the second one was... Uh, wasn't it Trout Mask Replica? No. There was one before that, After Safe as Milk.
3: Anyways, the point is, that, that record, um, Beefheart fucking hated... So much, because there was like this hot shot producer who just like drenched it in like really trend, phaser. trendy phaser and like all these effects that were like just really hot at the time or whatever, yeah, and that just kind of leads me to think that it's nothing new. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i i don't I don't think that that what what's being described is is a necessarily a trendy thing. I think it's been going on for for a little while I don't
2: know no, and that's fair. I just wondered where you guys sat with it because I think that on some level it depends on your the way you listen to things too. I tend to be someone who connects to what people are saying as much as what they're playing you know what i mean hmm and and I think that in some ways what you're saying is sort of veiled and it it's not
1: that's true. I mean, yeah, you're you're definitely onto something. Whereas, like when we're writing the music, it's you know, it's not this. It's not the story that kind of brings about the music. It's the in in some in in oftentimes it's the music that brings the story. Um, specifically for us in our older work, to, in this in this we tried to be a little bit more serving to um, a little more serving to the vocals and to kind of. Pop uh pop music tropes, and, and like I think we even did a song that was in like the standard pop formation, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus,
2: yeah, which is
1: like also new for us, and all these songs that we're doing in four four time and stuff these are like <laughs> these are big experiments for us, but it's it's interesting to to get somebody else's perspective and maybe situate our music in a broader spectrum, man, maybe we're doing the same thing that other people are doing
2: i I don't even think you are necessarily but it is something i've noticed and i and i just wanted to pick your brain at it and and I, i think maybe i could even ask steve clarkson about it by the way i believe that when steve clarkson came up here to record you guys he also on the same trip either borrowed or returned my sctv complete series box set (laughs)
3: <laughs> You're welcome, Bish.
2: Thank you, thank you for bringing <laughs> him up here. Now, beyond Steve, you also worked with Mike Halichuk of Fucked Up. Mm-hmm. So, what was his role in all of this?
1: He's uh, he's been with us since the beginning of this band, pretty much. Mm-hmm. He saw a live video of us playing at Call the Office and wanted to like the song and wanted to put out a record. So we we did a single on his label, and then he's like, "Yo." I want to produce you guys on this, like he saw us play a show and he saw this one song called on the beach. He's like, yo, that song's sick. I want to produce that. Let's put out another 12 inch.
2: That's a good Mike Halachuk impression, by the way.
1: Thank you. I've been honing it. Uh, (laughs) And then, and then when it came time, he's like, I don't know. I probably emailed Moshe and was like, yo man, I'm going to produce the record. And we were like, sure. Yeah, that's great.
3: His biggest role was, was, uh telling us how much things sucked and why we should fix them um and we would put up a pretty big fight, but in the end um he was mostly right <laughs> he would just he
2: would so he would he would come to the studio and i 'm trying to figure out what mike's role is here um was it a musical role i mean sorry he's a, he would, uh, i mean
1: he's the producer, i guess that was his like official title yeah um, i'm not really I'm not really sure. We've never worked with uh, anybody other than Mike, to be honest. Oh, here was always just us in our heads. So I don't, I'm not really sure what a, a, a standard producer does. I don't think that's what he was doing, but he did something that really produced and like really influenced the way the record came out. So maybe that's exactly what a producer does. Well,
2: did he, when he said something sucked, did he offer solutions and rearrangement ideas or sometimes?
3: Yeah, it was kind of fun. Um, You know Mike, right? So he's a pretty cryptic guy. Um, He'd basically say, you know, he'd speak his mind, um, and then he'd offer up like a kind of vague solution, which I think was his... um, He just wanted us to interpret it and come up with whatever. Um, And sometimes we'd come up with like 10 solutions, Hmm. um, which was a pretty pretty fun exercise. And he made us... Well, made us, yeah, at gunpoint. He... (laughs) He suggested we rewrite, like totally crack a couple songs wide open and rewrite them from scratch. So we did that too. I would say like if I had to break it down, he was kind of just like, uh, you know, a, like a, an, an additional member of the band. You know, we we, we would weigh his thoughts in um, amongst our own thoughts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But at yeah. the same time, he's an outsider. So he has a com- completely different perspective, which was like invaluable and so perfect
2: right all right well that's great that's great to hear when you ponder the album in its finished state do you sense any particular lyrical themes emerging we talked about how in some ways you you there's a shyness about the lyrics uh as i've said in some cases i find it uh, interesting the way they've the way the vocals have been kind of positioned which obviously impacts the lyrics as well but as you step back and look at this record you've called it absolutely free the band is absolutely free do you do you sense uh, some through line between the songs
1: um yeah there's there's definitely some common threads i'm st- I, f- I still feel pretty close to the to the music as far as like really looking back and being like, okay, that's really what I was thinking about there's a couple there's definitely a couple themes like uh yeah like thematic uh, motifs maybe and some I don't know, a couple topics about life and time and light, you know, light, light <laughs> uh, basically all of the elements uh, to our universe, kind of small, quaint subjects to tackle.
2: <laughs> You're dealing with some fairly lofty themes?
1: I guess so. time, light, uh, a technological, was it technological determinism? Is that what it's called? Oh, technological inevitability. Something like that. Huh. That was a...
2: Yeah. So you is know. It, is, it a, is it an existential record?
1: I guess so. I don't yeah. even know, man. Well, I'm still... <laughs> <laughs> you stumped me. It transcends existentialism. What does that even
2: mean? I don't even know what that means. I don't either,
3: man. That's how crazy it
2: is. Well, there's this line in the uh, there's a line in some of the press materials about how nothing is absolute and nothing is free. I mean, there's some kind of I feel like there's a pointed statement somewhere within this, uh, at least in the way this record's being positioned, if not the record itself.
1: Yeah, I mean that that whole thing is just the. I guess you know that we 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 kind of really enjoy the 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 contradiction contradictory nature of our name, right? The you know um absolutism and and free will are kind of two different opposite uh camps, and we're kind of mitigating the gray area between those two things and it's uh it's really hazy and um, and we're still you know we're battling through it, trying to figure it out one thing at a time, you know climbing that ladder <laughs> <laughs> to to make reference to the uh to the album cover i don't know
2: right okay All Right. that's that's it's interesting yeah, it, to hear it's still
1: a little bit abstract but there's there's definitely things that
3: i don't know uh it's funny i think that at times i find that we're we're uh um, too close to it and it's too soon for us to really i don't know i feel like we're not very we're not i'm finding you know having done a handful of interviews. finding that we're still not that great at describing what we did we just kind of but there are so many themes and and so many Mm -hmm. common grounds and everything was so methodical i i couldn't tell you why we have such a hard time describing it
2: well on some level you might not want to because uh if you spoil the surprise for people who are gonna you know interpret interpret things how they want to or how they will then why would you ruin their experience with the record, you know?:
1: That's true. I mean, yeah, and if anybody ever did want to ask me a question about the lyrics, I can definitely you know mumble mumble through some some things I was thinking about at the time.
2: <laughs> well, this is also becoming a callback to your whole, and it was kind of a joke, but your earlier like day month year was compared to a band that we couldn't we didn't relate to. And that actually impacted our <laughs> it impacted our perception of ourselves. And, you know, you've also mentioned that currently people seem to be getting where you're coming from. But, you know, that's going to change. And um, you're going to stumble upon if you check or look or unless you turn off those Google alerts, gentlemen, you're going to be receiving yeah. some dispatches that upset you. Everyone's wait alone. you
1: can you can set those things you don't have to keep searching it every hour
2: that's right yeah you can just set it up yeah you set it up with your oh. email
1: oh that's great i uh, I gotta stop I gotta take the absolutely free out of my uh my control v <laughs> anyway I'm just saying don't that, catchphrase. <laughs> I think you're that,
2: too I think that uh you're gonna find your own I think you guys are gonna be fine. You
1: think we're going to get some
2: haters, Beesh? No. No. I don't think it's going kind of,
1: to. You kind of alluded to that. No. Yeah. you right about? Us, yeah, what
2: are you going to what are you going to say? Me? I'm I'm doing this. This is my contribution to this whole record promotion cycle.
1: Uh if you were to give us uh a... No, never mind. Don't do it. Don't.
2: Are <laughs> you going to ask me to give you a, ra- a, a ranking or a review?
1: <laughs> He's not
3: going to give you what you want to hear. So we're not going to set ourselves up, Beesh.
2: I just wanted to make sure you guys knew what you were in for. I don't even know how this started.
1: It'd be, it would be nice to get a. Um, no, it wouldn't. It's, it's going to hurt if somebody says they don't like it. No. So many people say they don't.
3: Okay, uh, this is getting to. This is going to a weird place. <laughs> it's say gonna... that on behalf of uh, myself, Matt, and Mike, uh, we could care less. You put you put yourself out there and you know, as, you know, as an artist, you're so vulnerable and, and it and it and it's great. That's what keeps it, that's what keeps it nice. You All know, right.
2: that's good. So the external, uh, perception doesn't, it's good. I think you're in a good place. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> because this session is coming to a close. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Moshe earlier you said you were really excited about uh, looking forward, uh, to the next batch of, of, Songs and I, I'm at the point in our interview where I ask, you know, what what is coming up next for this band beyond putting out this record and touring behind it? Are Are you contemplating the next thing, the next step?
3: Well, we're kind of living the next step, which is we're like working on a like a film score, oh, like yes. a full full uh full feature flick um, called Two Cares Do None. And that's a big undertaking. Um, so that's what we're working on now. And then hopefully we'll find some time to finish up another, uh, I think we'll put out another 12-inch single. We have quite a bit of leftover material. I think we, um, you know, under the direction of Mike Halichuk, I think we scrapped like five songs um, from the record. So it's a it's a whopping eight tracks, and we have lots to work with, so I think we'll we'll kind of refine those and, and then release them. Other than that, I don't know, we're not thinking about another full length for, uh, for quite a little while.
2: What's the film about that you're scoring, do you know?
3: Uh, it's kind of like describing our album in the <laughs> sense that it's really hard to do, okay. but it's, uh, it's a film that was written and directed by uh, two Toronto artists, Chris Bonney and Melissa Fisher. And it was filmed in Iceland, Italy, and in Toronto. And uh, it's awesome. I've watched it like 100 times.
2: <laughs> oh, nice. And, and now you're, you're... How far into the scoring process are you?
3: Um, maybe like
2: 55%. 55%? Okay.
3: Like 55% done.
2: Yeah. Just, just over half. Yeah, come on. That's good, right? That is a very accurate uh, status level. Yeah, update. so that's
3: a really that's a really exciting thing for us to be doing. Um and it keeps us from like, you know, from reading too many reviews uh because we're so busy.
2: <laughs> now speaking of things that I'm sure will be received well by the critics and fans alike, you're playing at Long Winter uh <laughs> this weekend and you're playing with holograms.
1: What holograms are playing us.
2: Oh sorry, there's something to do with holograms or holographs or I don't know what the correct terminology well, is.
1: Like, you know that scene from
3: Star Wars when Princess Leia is in trouble?
2: I'm not familiar with that film.
3: Oh, okay. Then never mind. Um, it's kind of like we will
2: be there, but we won't be there. Oh, you're talking about the scene where she's like transmitting the message to R2? And then R2, yes. the whole film, he's just like a film projector? He's just like a droid that happens to be a film projector at the same time? Exactly. You...
3: So, I don't know where I was going with that. I just wanted to give you a bit of
1: a visual. Um... You just want there... to talk
2: about Star Wars. That's all that was. There...
1: <laughs> there's literally going to be Hologram Us is performing the album. Well, there's also a laser light show that's been like sequenced to our album.
2: Wow. And are, so you'll be in the room playing live or you won't? No, be? no,
1: we're playing a show in Hamilton that night. <laughs> Seriously, that's true. Is
2: that real?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: we're not even going to be able to be there. So, but we'll but we
3: will be there as holograms performing the record. Wow. Um at, in the theater.
2: That's amazing. I know, right? I was going to say hi to you guys cuz I'm going to be there, but now nah, I won't be able to Wait, if I talk to one of your holograms, does that get to you somehow?
1: Uh, no, they're gonna be in the back making out with some girls or something. Oh man! All right, sure. Holograms wow. us are way hotter <laughs> and way smoother. That's that's
2: great though. That's good for you. That's uh, I. Don't, where are you playing in Hamilton? Uh, the Casbah. Okay, you're playing the Casbah in yeah. Hamilton, but
1: and then there's holograms of us playing at Blue Cinema.
2: That's uh. So who's? I don't even know how to. How is this even?
1: concocted we have modern, uh, modern technology i think yeah there's a pretty good team yeah but there's some there's some good people working for there's us. this guy named dan
3: thornhill and uh this uh, organization called toronto laser services and they're just basically um a bunch of geniuses who um like to do silly things i
2: guess
3: <laughs> <sighs> they put their powers to you know <laughs> weird to strange uh applications like laser light shows for absolutely free right and i'm not complaining
2: <laughs> nice well that sounds good i wish i was seeing you in the flesh so to speak but that's good i'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this and i want to say to folks once again the self-titled absolutely free album is out october 14th by arts and crafts and you can see some semblance of them premiere the album live at long winter bloor hot doc cinema takeover on Saturday, October 11th, and the cinema is located at 506 Bloor Street West in Toronto. For more information, please visit absolutelyfree.ca and or torontolongwinter.com. Gentlemen, before I let you go, is there a song from the new album that we can play for folks? Earth
0: 2? Yeah.
2: Can we play Earth 2? You can. Why did you ask that in such a way that where I why you said that like you were fearful I might say no. Well, it's a bit of an underdog track. That's fine. I don't care. It's, it's your choice. I mean, why is I it? So. Why is it an underdog track?
1: Well, it's it's not like a it's not like um, it's not like I'm like gonna come up to you and be like, hey, I'm Earth Two. Is it? Does it start the second side of the album? It does
2: that's good that's a good that's a strong placement
1: yeah it's our favorite one of our favorites they're all our favorites
2: okay and is there, is there something about Earth 2 that you can tell us before we hear it
3: I mean Earth 2 as far as the album goes it's sort of um, I wouldn't call it the apex or anything but it's kind of like the point of no return do you know what I mean like there's a handful of songs that sort of guide you into it and I don't know, it like they guide you to to that fifth song, which is kind of otherworldly, and uh, you know, you kind of don't know how you got there. And then the rest of the album sort of takes you back. Um, so yeah, it's a really meaningful song that way.
2: All right, well, that's that's that sounds fascinating. Let's hear it. This is Earth Two by Absolutely Free, and uh, Matt Moshe, thank you so much for being on the show. I wish you the best of luck, and I I will see. Some- I will sort of see you soon.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, we're playing in Guelph, too coming up. For real, uh,
2: though. For real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like flesh asses.
2: Okay. So we'll sadly.
1: Exactly. S- yeah. Next weekend. Next right weekend. The 16th.
2: All right. Well, yeah. then we'll see you there. But I mean, for now, we'll play the song. Thank I, you. I'll try to get my head around the fact that you might be in two places at the same time. Thanks, fish.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much.